Welcome everyone to today's ILTA 15-minute podcast interview session entitled, Three Reasons to Use AI for Document Review. I'm your moderator, Andrea Shirey. I'm an e-discovery expert at Bayer, and I'm thrilled to be joined by our speaker today, Dan Donegan, new business director from TextIQ. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Andrea. Great to be here. So given the timing, we've got 15 minutes, so let's go ahead and, and dive right in. So I have some questions for you. Um, first thing, what are the pitfalls related to the way privilege review has historically been performed? Uh, yeah, so it's a, a great question, Andrea. And I spend a lot of my time working with individuals like yourself. So in-house e-discovery leaders or heads of litigation, sometimes you know, an occasional general counsel. And there's a few common pitfalls I hear from those conversations. Uh, many times the process is reliant on a combination of search terms and human reviewers putting eyes on any documents that those search terms hit on. Uh, and, and because I think everyone would agree privilege can be pretty high stakes, uh, teams tend to err on the side of being more over-inclusive, uh, sometimes very overly inclusive, and that means a lot of false positives are getting pulled in. And now you're paying humans to review documents potentially unnecessarily. So um, that's kind of one pitfall. Uh, another is search terms are imperfect. Uh, they can still miss documents um, and so can humans. And every team out there wants to avoid clawbacks if possible. So if the only alternative is putting eyes on every single document, that also isn't a great option, super expensive and slow. Um, and, and besides all those reasons, you know, typically this work is distributed across a team of individuals, especially on large matters, you might have dozens of humans doing this review. So the documents are batched out and it's hard for people to connect dots to documents that they haven't even seen. They're kind of looking at each four corner of a document that's in front of them. Um, and we'll get into you know, why AI is kind of uniquely positioned to, to help with that pitfall in just a minute. Um, but I, I think another one is humans can reach different conclusions. We've each had different experiences um, and might look at a document and you know, make a different decision about it. And especially in you know, really large matters or ones with tight deadlines, fatigue can be a problem. You know, we all need sleep. We're human. Um, and if there's tight deadlines and people are working super long hours, potentially for consecutive days or weeks, uh, that can also kind of degrade quality of you know, human-based privilege review. And maybe uh, the last one, and then I'll, I'll stop on this topic, is uh, typically there's a, a transfer. So you've got contract attorneys or you know one team, a third party who's doing uh, that first pass privilege review that gets then passed to a team doing the second pass, usually at a law firm. Um, and you know, in some cases, I've heard examples of talking to outside counsel where they receive a list of potentially privileged documents and you know, there, there aren't reasons or the reasons that are provided were from a pick list. They don't necessarily match, you know, very specifically to that document. And now that expensive outside of counsel has to kind of play mind reader, um, which can be very frustrating and slow down the process as well. So um, uh, I'd say those are a handful of ones that I've seen. Yeah. I definitely get that, <laughs> working on my, um, some very large reviews. So what are some of the easy ways to improve this process using AI? Yep. So I think the great news is a lot of those pitfalls can be addressed with AI. So maybe we'll start with 
that over-inclusive challenge, so too many false positives. The search term legal is a perfect example of that. We've seen up to 90% of the time that can actually be you know, a term that is not being used in a privileged sense. It might be appearing in email signatures or disclaimers. Um, and AI is able to basically analyze each sentence of a communication and understand the context in which that term is appearing. For example, you might have a communication where it says, I spoke with legal and they had concerns about X, Y, and Z. Uh, might not be a smoking gun, but I think anyone who's looking at that would say, okay, this likely could be privileged. It seems to be referring to legal advice as opposed to an example like, or legal entity is Acme Inc. So being able to kick out mm -hmm. examples where that would, that second example would have also hit on a search term, but is very unlikely to be privileged. That's one way I, AI can help. Um, another is uh, computers don't need to sleep eat, take weekends off. Uh, and all of that can feed into time and cost savings, um, as well as just more consistent decision-making. So uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, AI has the unfair advantage over humans that it can look across an entire data set of documents, especially when you're talking really large matters, hundreds of thousands, if not millions uh, of documents, um, that ability to connect dots that you know a team of humans would be unable to is a huge advantage. You know, examples like finding references to someone's, you know, initials or a nickname. Maybe they're not anywhere on an email chain, but because AI can establish communication communities across an entire data set, um, yeah, that's one more way that it can draw connections that otherwise, you know, reference to DD in a an email, for example, might get missed if I was counsel. Um, AI also gets smarter over time. So uh, the ability to learn from past matters uh, is just another advantage as opposed to work being sent to, to different third parties, different you know, contract attorneys, different outside counsel, um, being able to leverage that decision, the decisions that were reached and the review that was already previously paid for can you know, not just fuel consistency, but drive further cost savings on future matters. Um, and, and then, you know, even more tactically, uh, AI has the ability to generate custom reasons. So I talked about how that second pass team can sometimes be frustrated with a lack of a reason for why something was tagged potentially privileged. Um, at least, you know, within the AI that, you know, we're offering, it has the ability to make uh, custom reasons for why did it predict something to be privileged. And then when you get to the privilog process at the end of the matter, or, or you know, as you get closer to the production, it can also in many cases, save up to 80% of the time of creating that privilog, which can be another huge cost saver for organizations. Um, so I think I'll, uh, I'll stop that answer there. Okay. <laughs> um, so some companies have already started using, I think, AI for privilege review. Uh, when do you think it might become the, the norm that more companies will be just jumping on board and, and using AI for privilege? Yep. So uh, that's a great question. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball and knew that exact answer and timeline. I know my uh, management would as well. Um, and, and I want to be careful not to give some sort of uh, you know, blanket statement on behalf of, of relative to your text IQ, but I'll, I'll speak from my personal experience of working with in-house teams. Um, what I've seen is for many, it tends to be a uh, all walk run type of approach. Um, sure, there are outliers or cases where 
an organization has you know, a huge matter, tight deadline, maybe it's a second request and there's kind of no other way of hitting those timelines. And then, you know, uh, they will jump right into the deep end and they'll use AI because they have no other option. Um, but most times I'm seeing in-house teams, you know, start with some sort of proof of concept, right? It's, hey, let's pick a small matter or a subset of a larger matter where we already have our current process running and we can test AI in parallel to it and basically be able to kind of de-risk that first use or those first few uses of the tool and be able to compare results. Hey, is it finding documents which our existing process is finding? Are there deltas? And then being able to kind of dig into where there are differences. Um, and then, yeah, so if that's the crawl, then the walk is maybe, okay, now we're going to use it on a bigger matter or a few larger matters. And, and yeah, I think every organization has different risk tolerances or, yeah, speeds at which they get comfortable with new things. Um, but that's, you know, typically a, a several matter, several month process. And then, yeah, if it has proven to be just as effective, if not more effective then you know, typically can be a, a transition to, okay, this is how we're going to do things moving forward. Um, so maybe it's not a specific answer of, okay, it's going to be six months from now, but I, I also think that, um, just in general organizations are being asked to do more with less. Um, or reevaluate processes which have been in place for a long time where maybe AI or technology um, can automate even just certain aspects of those tasks. Um, so I, I think with each quarter, we're getting closer to it becoming the norm. Um, and, and maybe the last thing uh, I'd say is I, I feel like there's a little bit of social proof that uh, is going on in this space. Uh, we'll talk to many in-house leaders who philosophically think, okay, hey, if we can save time, we can save costs, we can reduce risk, like what's not to like about this, but um, maybe also not wanting to necessarily you know, be the, the early adopter, someone who's trying it first. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of interest to see other teams using it, knowing that there's been a positive experience, having a peer who you trust say, yep, it works. Um, it's, and so in that sense, I think it's kind of a, a snowball that uh, you know, we'll pick up speed and size um, as it rolls downhill. So hopefully that's sooner than later. Uh, but uh, I, I think just given what's happening in the economy too, um, you know, we're going to start to see it more and more. Anything else, like any other hurdles that you think would would stop or, or drive further adoption? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's too much of a generalization to say that lawyers tend to be risk averse, right? Maybe yeah, comfortable, sure. uncomfortable doing things <laughs> in uh, new ways is kind of fighting their DNA. Um, so I think getting anybody to take that first step um, can be a huge hurdle. Um, maybe for someone, they buy into the, the promise and that's not the challenge, but the hurdle can then be, uh, you know, just internal processes and procurement. Um, you know, in, in some cases, even doing that initial proof of concept can be just as heavy of a lift as it would be to go out and make a multi-million dollar investment in a new technology. Um, so, you know, getting teams bought into kind of that upfront work, um, can be a big hurdle. Um, and that's, I don't think unique necessarily to, to AI for privilege review, um, but it is definitely there. Um, 
I, I think um, one other kind of hack or trick, which I've seen recently with a, a client. So maybe for those who are listening, this is helpful is they said, listen, you know, we have one procurement process for SaaS for, for tech products. Um, but we kind of have this fast lane for, you know, review when it's going to just service providers or outside counsel. Um, so if you can kind of try to recategorize or reframe the conversation just to say, hey, we're we're solving or we're basically just facilitating this review in a different way, sometimes that can help you find that fast lane. Um, in terms of other hurdles, I'd, I'd say, you know, teams can feel like, hey, on that first matter, you know, we're almost duplicating efforts, right? So now in a process where usually no one feels like there's spare time, we're adding a little bit of work to do this side-by-side -side comparison. Not much, but a little bit. Um, so it's that kind of challenge of not only getting through those prior hurdles, but finding that matter where you maybe do have a little bit of time or extra time in the uh, timeline to be able to, to do this analysis. Um, and then I think maybe last one is just the mental hurdle of relinquishing control, right? If this is something that has been done a certain way for decades, uh, you know, that's, I don't want to minimize how hard it can be for people to overcome that. You mentioned earlier that attorneys are risk adverse. So I guess, what's the risk associated with, with AI for privilege review? Yeah, I mean, I think there's personal reputational risk, right? Someone raises their hand and says, hey, I want to be the one to try this within our organization. You know, again, if this has been a process that's been in place for, you know, years or decades, um, I think there, that's some risk for, for that individual. I think poor expectation setting can also be a risk, right? Um, processes need to be explained. People need to understand how much input is involved in the use of that tool. Um, yeah, I think there's probably a, you know, a, a downside of AI being oversold or overhyped as kind of this push button, like miracle is completely perfect type of technology and it is incredibly powerful, um, but but it's not perfect. So I think that there needs to be a reframing of the conversation that, hey, let's not expect perfection because we still might fall short of that. But if we can uh, basically evaluate risk compared to our existing process and still do better than that, uh, I think that can help de-risk using AI for privilege review. Maybe I'll kind of finish by being a little punchy and say, I, I think there's risks of not using it. Um, you know, if your review costs specifically for privilege review are continuing to balloon and we're going into this time where everyone is incredibly cost conscious, uh, I'm not sure I'd want to be the, the team that is, you know, not figuring out a way of trying to rein in costs a little bit. Um, so, yeah, maybe just uh, yeah, th those are a few of the risks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think people. It took a while for AI adoption, just for typical review, but now it seems to be the normal. So people are using AI. Um, I, I think it's probably going to fall into this um, with privilege privilege review too. So, um, any other thoughts you have that you'd like to share with us today? Um, in terms of it maybe being more broadly adopted, uh, yeah. yeah, I think I'd go back to, uh, just the recessionary headwinds that are out there. Unfortunately, I think companies across all sectors are trying to figure out, okay, how can we be more efficient with our existing resources? In some cases, you know, they're going through 
layoffs. And I don't think legal departments, unfortunately, are immune from that, um, either from a budget or a, a headcount perspective. So uh, I think wherever there are opportunities to automate certain tasks, not saying you're going to automate privilege review entirely, but even if you can just automate maybe the first pass in a privilege review um, using AI, I think there's going to be increasing pressure to try to figure out ways to do that. Um, but at the same time, privilege review is not like a nice to have. So it is a need to have. For sure. <laughs> so I, I don't think, you know, privilege, this is a, a no kidding comment, privilege review is not going away, but I think there will be more and more focus on given what's going on in the economy, more effective ways of getting that work done. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see just how quickly that all occurs. All right. I think we're about at time. So Dan, thank you so much for all your time and efforts today. Um, I did learn a lot, so I appreciate that. And um, we look forward. We have two more upcoming se sessions to talk about how we can use AI for um, other things. So look for those coming up in Q2 and Q4, um, Q3. So everybody have a wonderful day and thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks. Bye-bye.